Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and in this podcast, I'm sharing my Sunday sermons from St. John's Lutheran Church, Palm Desert, California. I'm so grateful that you've joined us, and I trust that these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. Whenever I ask people how they're doing, especially over these past few years, sometimes I hear, good, we're doing well, how are you? Sometimes I hear, busy, an invitation to ask for more details. And sometimes I hear, tired. I get it. Life can be exhausting. Sometimes just getting through the day makes us weary. I remember conversations during the height of COVID about how just getting out of bed in the morning and taking a shower was a win. The burdens that you carry, whatever they may be, can weigh you down. And if you are feeling tired, weary, burdened, you are not alone. The prophet Zechariah spoke the word of the Lord to the people of God, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, during a season in which they were weary too. Just 50 years, a generation, before the ministry of Zechariah, the Babylonian Empire had decimated the southern kingdom of Judah in the Holy Land, the land where the people of Israel lived. Thousands of people were killed. The capital city, Jerusalem, and the temple in Jerusalem, and the, sounding land, the surrounding land was decimated, and thousands were carried into captivity in Babylon, forced into servitude in a foreign land, including the parents of Zechariah. Zechariah the prophet was born in exile in Babylon. And then, under King Cyrus of Persia, the Persian Empire defeated the Babylonian Empire, And Cyrus issued an edict in 583 B.C. that allowed the Babylonian captives from many different nations to return home, including the Jewish people, including Zechariah. He was a young man when he returned to Judah and began his prophetic ministry. Imagine the burdens they carried as they began to rebuild the physical work of restoring their homes and businesses and livelihoods and society and the temple, the emotional work of recovering from such significant trauma, the spiritual work of trying to understand how the Lord allowed this to happen to his people, the people he loves the people with whom he entered into a covenant to be his holy nation, the people he blessed to be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. And different people wrestled with this question in different ways. Some leaned into legalism. They believed that if they perfectly kept the law, If they fulfilled all 613 commandments found in the Old Testament to the last detail, if they did everything right, then bad things would stop happening to them. The Lord would reward their righteousness and bring them prosperity, that they would earn God's grace. 
these folks became known as Pharisees. Some leaned into hope. They believed in the promise spoken throughout the Old Testament prophets and expressed by the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 9 that the Lord God would send a king unlike any of the kings of any of the empires that had caused them so much suffering. A king who did not ride into Jerusalem on a war horse, leaving devastation in his wake. A king who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey in gentleness and humility. A king who did not use violence and force and fear to subjugate some peoples and territories under the rule of others. A king who brings peace and well-being to everyone, everywhere, all the time. A king who did not make people slaves. A king who set people free. The people hoped for this king, this anointed one. In Hebrew, anointed one is Messiah. In Greek, it's Christ, the Savior of the world. 500 years later, Jesus the Christ fulfilled this prophetic promise of the Lord. Throughout his public ministry, Jesus taught that the kingdom of God has arrived in his presence. And this teaching, his words, his wisdom was vindicated, demonstrated by his deeds, his actions, what he did. Jesus healed people who were sick and fed people who were hungry and hung out with people that others had rejected and forgave sinners and brought good news to the poor and the vulnerable and the outcast. But as Matthew 11 recounts, not everybody recognized who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing. These included those who considered themselves wise and intelligent, like the religious authorities, the Pharisees, or like the rich social elites, the Sadducees who ran the second temple system, or like the governmental powers, Pilate and others in the Roman Empire who occupied the Holy Land at the time. They didn't get it. They didn't listen to John the Baptist, the prophet who prepared the way for Jesus. They didn't listen to Jesus himself. Both John and Jesus called on the people to repent. The Greek word meta, change, noia, your mind. Repentance isn't simply feeling bad about your sin and confessing. Confession is important. Repentance is to stop sinning to change your mind and your heart in light of God's redeeming grace, to think and act differently than you did before, to turn from sin and turn to God. Now, perhaps in the case of the Pharisees, they didn't think they needed to repent because they believed they were already going in the right direction. You don't need to turn around if you think you're heading the right way. Those religious authorities did not grieve with John the damage of our sinful behavior 
and they did not celebrate with Jesus the joy of God's goodness to us. These Pharisees believed that they set the standard of righteousness based on their interpretation of the law, the commandments, the Bible. And so they believed that anyone who did not meet their particular standards of biblical interpretation were therefore lawbreakers, unrighteous sinners. And they put Jesus in this category because he broke the law as they understood it. He showed an inappropriate lack of reserved piety in his enjoyment of life. He did not keep their enforced and cumbersome rules about rest on the Sabbath. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. The disciples of Jesus picked grain and ate on the Sabbath. Jesus hung out with Gentiles who did not keep the Sabbath. The religious authorities attempted to burden Jesus, and they did burden others with their self-righteousness. They burden themselves, too. Legalism is exhausting. I know this from personal experience. Having grown up in a somewhat legalistic, charismatic Pentecostal tradition and dealing with my own perfectionism, legalism expends so much energy worrying about failure. It's so anxious about messing up. It leaves so little room for grace or trust or joy. The Apostle Paul, who had been a Pharisee, knew the cost of legalism, of self-righteousness, of desperately trying to keep the law, do the right thing, not sin, and repeatedly failing. As Paul writes in Romans 7, I don't understand my own actions. I know what I should do, but I don't do it. I know what I shouldn't do, but I do it anyway. There was a war inside of Paul, as there is inside of all of us as we live in this broken world, between right and wrong, between goodness and evil, between, as Paul puts it, the spirit and the flesh. Now, it's important to note here that by flesh, Paul does not mean our physical bodies. Paul was not a Gnostic. He didn't believe that our bodies in the material world was inherently evil. Paul believed, as we Christians believe, that the whole of our being, including our bodies, and the entire creation is made by God in goodness and order and beauty. It is all loved by God. God made it all very good in the beginning, and he will make it all very good again. By flesh, Paul means our sinful nature, our misaligned moral agency. Whatever it is within us that rebels against, opposes, is not aligned with the goodness and grace of God. And so Paul, demonstrating admirable honesty and vulnerability in sharing his personal struggles in a letter that he knew many people would read, in a letter he intended for many people to read, acknowledges his need for repentance. 
his constant need to remember to turn toward God because he has this disposition to turn away. His need for the wisdom, the transformation, the salvation that, his, that the law and his attempts to keep it cannot bring him, no matter how hard he tries. Wretched person that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? But then Paul continues with the truly good news that changed his life. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ rescues us, saves us, sets us free from sin and death forever. Jesus is God who loves us so much that he joined with us in the fullness of our humanity so that we may join with God in the fullness of God's glory. Jesus is the king, the king, who came gentle and humble in heart, who came to bring peace and goodwill on earth, who came to restore us in the whole creation, who rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. And it was in that city that he suffered and died on the cross and was buried, and on the third day rose again to life, taking our sin and death as his own and giving us his forgiveness, salvation, and life eternal. What Martin Luther calls the joyous exchange. And one day, Christ will come again and make all things new. Jesus is the embodiment of the wisdom of God, the word made flesh, as John 1 puts it. Or in the words of Pastor Brian Zond, Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus communicates to us the gospel truth expressed by King David in Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is faithful in all his words and loving in all his works. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. And so Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are tired and weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Find rest for your souls. Rest from legalism, perfectionism, self-righteousness. Rest in the assurance that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It is a gift freely given to us by God. It is not based on our works. Rest in the assurance that nothing we say or do can make God love us any less or any more than God already does. God is love. Rest in the assurance that we don't earn God's grace because we already have God's grace. We will always have God's grace. Nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ gives us rest from whatever burdens we may carry. Whether we impose them on ourselves or they are imposed on us by others. Maybe it is the harm that people have caused you 
or the judgments of people who believe you don't live up to their standards, whatever those may be, or maybe failure to meet your own expectations, the slights that you can't seem to let go, the bad habits that you can't seem to break, the good habits that you can't seem to keep, regrets about the past, anxiety about the future, whatever weighs you down right now, Jesus invites you to lay your burdens on him and take up his yoke. A yoke is a large piece of curved wood that joins two oxen together, makes them a team so that they can plow a field or tow something heavy. It connects them. And so being yoked to Jesus is coming alongside Jesus and learning from him how to be like him. Coming alongside him in prayer, pouring your heart out to the Lord all the time, every day. And study, reading about Jesus in the Gospels and going to Bible studies here at St. John's and joining together in worship all the ways we know Jesus ever more fully in our lives. Being yoked to Jesus is joining with him in his good and productive work as he heals this broken world. The yoke of Jesus is easy because it fits. It suits us. It keeps us close to the Lord, which is where we need to be. And the burden of Jesus is light because he carries it. The weight is on his shoulders. He does all the heavy lifting. It's not that we don't have burdens to carry as we live in this world. It's that thanks be to God in our Lord Jesus Christ, we never carry them alone. Thanks for listening. Each week's episode is edited by Nick Cox. Music performed by our St. John's Worship Band. Sermons by me, Pastor Jen Shaw. Make sure to subscribe to hear each week's message. If you'd like to know more about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, to share the life-giving word and do the life-giving work of Jesus, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.